Hey guys, we're going to get into another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. It's going to podcast where we learn, where we study, where we grow, where we try to become the best versions of ourselves as we can, as we continue to serve our Lord. Again, you guys can find the podcast on YouTube. Please subscribe here. And you can also find the podcast anywhere you can get your podcast. And we're just so thankful that you guys are here and that you guys have found us and that you guys are with us today. So uh, like the beginning of the video said, or the podcast, if you're asking yourself questions like, what am I doing? What's my purpose? Where am I going? Maybe you've maybe you found yourself hitting that wall. Maybe you found yourself almost confused. Almost kind of every day is the same. It's different, but every day is essentially the same. I promise, man, this podcast is for you. I really want to encourage you guys today with this. This has encouraged me, and I hope that this guy this can help you guys um, as we learn, as we study, and as we grow. So here's how I want to start off this podcast. There was once a a quarterback that all he wanted to do was to win a championship. And so he worked hard and he worked hard. And one year he had it. He had the team, everything he's always wanted. And he's dreamed about this. He's worked at it. He's, he's written the goals down. And now the moment's finally here. First three quarters, game goes back and forth. Fourth quarter, his team starts pulling away. And as his team starts pulling away, he starts to see in the distance the trophy coming out, the thing that he's always wanted, the thing that he's striven for. Y'all, you guys ever see, you know, uh, you know, you're, you're reaching for something and it's almost like this carrot dangling in front of you and it's and it's almost there, but just so close and he was there and he finally got it. And he lifted it up and he was happy and he was thankful. Then the interviewers left, the camera people left, teammates left, coaches left. Then it was just him. And as he's sitting there looking at the thing he strived for, young guy now, he strove for this. He's looking at it and he says, this is so great. I finally achieved what I wanted. But then he asked himself this question. He had a weird feeling in his gut. And he said, but is this it? I thought this would feel different. I thought this would give me a, a different level of satisfaction. I thought this would, I don't know, I thought this would fulfill me in a different way. Is this it? So maybe where you guys are in your life right now, maybe you thought life would be different by now. Maybe you thought, man, by by 25, man, this is going to be me. By 28, this is going to be me. By 30, this is going to be me. And you reach for it and you reach for it and you reach for it. And then you find yourself sitting where you are, listening to this podcast, walking in the gym, in the car, and you're wondering, is this it? Is this, is this, is this what my life was supposed to be? Have I capped? Is this, is, my, is this my peak? And so what we're going to talk about in our podcast today, guys, is what is the will of God for me? What is the will of God for me? A lot of times, guys, to, to me at least, as we kind of start this conversation, to me, that question has become so diluted because what we've done with that question is we've made the will of God different for people based on their circumstances. So, oh, that can't be the will of God for you because you're this. That can never be the will of God for you because you're that. You know, and then what we do with that theology and with that mindset, number one, we put God in a box and we essentially tell each other, tell each other what God can or can't do for you based off your circumstance, which that's wrong. But then number two, what we'll do is 
that will make God in your eyes a God that is partial, meaning God picks and chooses favorites. Therefore, if God picks and chooses favorites, then on the opposite side, God has got to pick and choose those that he, that are not his favorites either. So in your mind, God, as you look and as you compare with others and as you compare with what's going on around you, you can make God a God of partiality, but that's not who he is. You can make God seem like he, he, has, he has favorites, but that's not who God is. Even though factually in your mind, you can make it make sense. Look at this giant sample size that I've got. That doesn't matter. That's not God's character. And I want to encourage you guys, that's not who he is for you. You might be asking yourself those questions, and I get it. I get it. You may be asking yourself those, and you may feel lost in some way. But that is not our God. And don't let anybody tell you that's who, that's who God is because that's not him. And so what we're going to do here today in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I'm telling you guys this has illuminated a lot of things. I mean, this is this has made things kindergarten clear with a, with a, with a subject that can be so complex, but it doesn't have to be. But we've made it complex with our human thinking. So here's a question we want to start off with before we get into our text here. Why would God? It doesn't make sense. Now, before you could you could try to make it make sense, but why would God's will be different for me than it is for you? It makes no sense. So why would a God who is a God of order make his will different for every human being alive? His will has to be something that's constant, right? So what God's will is, we'll say it's different for you than it is for me. Now, we got to understand this in our thinking. What you see and what I see in life will always be different. I agree with you on that. What I see and what you see will always be different in life because all of us have grown up in different circumstances. We've seen different things. We've gone through different things. But the will of God for me and for you, I believe Paul's going to teach us through this text, but the will of God for us is the same. It's the same, regardless of what you and I have gone through. So look at this text here, man. Check this out. So if you got your Bible out, check this out. Open it up uh, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. If you're walking in the gym, driving, come back and look at this text for yourself so that you can see this with your own two eyes um, as we study this and look at this together. So if we're going to kind of point this out like I like to and kind of organize this for you to maybe make it simpler for you to understand it a little bit more, here's the first thing that I'm seeing. In order for the will of God, which should be consistent for me and for you, so these things that we're going to look at should fit for me, but also for you as well. So what's the first thing? The patience. That's the first thing I'm seeing from verse 14. The will of God for me and for you is the patience. Watch this. Now we exhort you, brethren, verse 14, warn them that are unruly. Comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, and be patient with all. So I want you to notice this progression. It says warn those that are unruly. So unruly here does not mean, you know, like that little kid that, that, that's in class that always is taking the little things and throwing things at people. We're not talking about that type of little kid unruly here. Unruly here in this text contextually means lazy. Warn those that are lazy. How do you know that it's lazy? Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. For, every, for even when we were with you, 
we commanded you this, that if anyone will not work, then he shall not eat. So here in Thessalonica, the Christians had become so close that they lived in a, in a almost communally. Now, to where they were choosing, they weren't forced, they were choosing to share things with each other and help one another as they lifted each other up. So what the attitude became was, well, if I need something, the church will just provide it. If I need, if I need money, the church will give it to me. If I need something for the house, the church will just give it to me. So therefore, what mindset were they, were they losing? They lost the mindset to work. So Paul here said, therefore, we exhort you, brethren, warn those that are unruly. Isn't it interesting that sometimes when you ask yourself these questions, I've lost my purpose, you, you kind of get lazy. You guys ever have those months or those weeks where you're just like, I just don't want to, or, or for some of those years, I just don't want to do anything anymore. I don't think I want to help people anymore. I don't think I want to do what I thought I was going to do anymore. I, I just don't want to do it. I think I'm done. You know, one of my favorite, you know, one of my favorite Marvel movies is Spider-Man No Way Home, right? And remember the new Peter Parker, right? The new one, he had lost everything. I mean, he felt like there was no purpose in life anymore. He felt like it was it was no use in helping people because where had that gotten him? It, everybody else was always taken care of, but where had that gotten him? No one had seen his sacrifice he made for everyone else. So he got to the point where, I mean, in tears, he said, I think I'm done. And this is the this is the thing that he said. As he's crying, he said, I don't care anymore. Guys, as you try to find the, you know, your purpose and the will of God, many times you'll try things and you'll fail and you'll fail and you'll fail. And as you get it wrong and as you do all these things, you do get to the point, because I've been there, you get to the point where, and this is bad, I don't think I care anymore. Once you get to the point where with anything in life you don't care anymore, it's over. At that point it is. I don't think I don't care anymore. I, I think I'm done. I don't want to help anyone anymore. I don't want to help people. I don't want to be a part of a big group. I don't I don't, just don't care anymore. I think I'm done. And so notice the progression here. What is the will of God for me if that's me? And what's the will of God for you if that's you? Warn yourself and warn others. Come on. I know you don't I know you don't believe that. I know you don't believe that. The Lord needs you. These people need you. Your friends need you. Your family needs you. Oh yeah, sure they do. When's the last time I heard from them? When's the last time Sometimes we think we're not as important because we can't see people's reactions. But if you weren't here, if you're not if you weren't there when you were when you were there, if you're not here, you would be missed. But many times we get so low that we feel like, man, nobody cares. I th- I'm done. I'm done. So then spiritually and physically, what do we become? We become unruly. We become unruly. But then watch, watch how the text just naturally progresses in this, in this process. Warn those that are unruly. What else is the will of God for me and you? Comfort the faint-hearted. 
So those that are unruly, those that have said, I'm completely done. I don't even want to, I don't even want to do anything and help anyone ever again. I'm, I'm done. Comfort the faint hearted. You know, the word faint hearted, it's very interesting. I want you guys to see this. The phrase faint hearted is very important here in this text. It literally means those that are by nature timid and they lack courage and the sense of strength that they need. And so, you know, have you ever have you ever started something or had a dream or had a goal and then as you've had that dream and goal, you started off well, you started off optimistic, you started off almost you feeling like you could do anything. And then failure after failure, thing after thing happened year after year. And then now that optimism turns into pessimism, that hope always turns into doubt, that expectation always turns into you're just expecting things. At some point, this is going to fail. At some point, this is going to derail. This might be great right now. At some point, this is going to find a way to derail. It's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. So what's the will of God for me and you? Comfort those that are like that. Wait, but my situation is different than yours, right? But guess what I can still do and guess what you can still do? The will of God. What is the will of God? To warn those who are lazy in that thinking. But also comfort those that are faint hearted because of what they saw. All of us can do that. All of us can do that. Why? Because all of us know somebody like that and all of us have been there. So therefore, God puts all of us, no matter what we look like, where we come from, what home we got brought up in, what color you are, God puts the will of God on an even playing field. But what we've done is we try to elevate and de-escalate the will of God. But that's not him. Notice this. Notice the progression. Warn those that are unruly. Comfort the faint-hearted. This was good too. Uphold the weak. You know, that word uphold just means to carry, to lift, to lift back up. Remember when uh, Moses and Israel, they were in battle and God told him as long as his hands were up, they would win. But if his hands would go down, they would lose. So Moses had his hands up, they're winning. But because you can hold your hands up only for so long, then your hands start to get down because you're weak. So Aaron's on one side, hers on the other side and lifts Moses' hands back up to make sure Israel wins the battle. You know, sometimes, guys, you're going to need, and these are special people, man. If you meet them, they're not everywhere. Just let you know that. They're not everywhere. But it's one thing to uphold the weak, but in order to warn the ruly, in order to comfort the faint-hearted, guess what you have to be really good at doing? You have to be really good at looking outside of yourself and you have to have a good eye and you got to look at people and before you uphold them, you have to look and see, do they need it? Man, it looks like he could really use some help. Looks like she could really use some help. Uphold their hands. Look at this. Look at this. is <laughs> This is crazy too. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. Oh, yeah, this is great. Hebrews chapter 12, um, beginning in verse 12. Yeah, that's good. 
Uh, there's so much here. Okay, okay, I'm getting too ahead of myself. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down. Isn't that something all of us can do? But wait, but my experience is different. How I brought up was different. What, what you saw was different. What I look like is different. But guess what the will of God is? It's the same. I can strengthen the hands of those that hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that which is lame may not be dislocated but rather be healed. We all can do that. So what's the will of God for me and for you? Did you know that these things that we've listed so far, you can do this for yourself? And then guess what you can do? You can do this for someone else. Uphold the weak, but then watch how the text ends. Then be patient with all. Isn't it interesting that the unruly comfort those that are faint-hearted, uphold the weak? Guess what? how Paul ends that? People that are in this situation that have seen some stuff, People that are in this in this situation that have gone through some stuff, guess what they need? They need people that are going to do these things, comfort, uphold, and warn. They need those, but ultimately they need people that are patient with them. Many times we'll do this for a period of time for people, but then we start saying phrases like, well, you should get this by now. I don't understand why you don't have this by now. What are you not doing anything? What are you not listening? What are you not? So then what are we not doing? We're not having patience, therefore not exercising the will of God. See what I mean? So now be patient with all if you find people that are unruly, that need comforting, and that need upholding, and that are weak. They need, they need patience. That's the will of God. So what's the will of God for me and you? The patience with yourself and with people. All of us can do that. Then as we keep going, then we have the pursuit, right? We have the patience. Now we have the pursuit. Watch verse 15. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone. But what will we do? If you're treated wrong, you better get your respect. Don't let people do this. Don't let people say this. What did Jesus say? What's the will of God? Let no one render evil for evil to anyone. That's the will of God. Did you know that? You see, you see how we try to make up the will of God where he literally explains it here. Look at this. Look at Romans chapter five. We're going to go back here uh, and we're going to go back to Hebrews chapter 12, but Romans chapter five and notice verses uh, two through five here. Oh man. Oh, man, this is good. Actually, start in verse one. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith and grace, which we stand and rejoice in the hope of glory of God. All And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now, hope doesn't disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So notice what he's saying here. See that no one render evil for evil. Remember in Romans 12, verses 19 through 21, do not 
be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with guess who can do that? See, we all can do these things that Paul's saying. It's just a choice if we will do them or not. We know the will of God, but what we do, unfortunately, we make the will of God an asterisk. Well, in this circumstance, we can't do the will of God. In this circumstance, to see then we make this we we make the will of God circumstantial. Where that's not him. Watch this. See that no one render evil for evil to anyone, but always, notice that word, always pursue what is good both for yourself and for all. Let me ask you a question. You guys ever pursue something before? <laughs> you ever pursue a goal? You ever pursue things? You ever pursue a grade? Whatever. You th- so when you pursue something, just because you pursue it, and let's just assume you have the ultimate intention that it's just good in pursuing whatever you're pursuing, right? Just because you pursue something doesn't mean you're going to get it the first time. Doesn't mean you're going to get it the second time. Doesn't mean you're going to get it the third time. But just because you don't get it time one, two, and three, does that stop you from your pursuit of it? No. So what does Paul say that God's will is? Always. So what does this imply? I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. Always pursue what is good. So wait, but when I've always reached for good, bad has always happened. Always pursue. When I've always reached for good, I was viewed as the bad guy. Always pursue good. Well, when I was always pursuing good, I was seen as the issue. Always pursue. So what we what we do is we pursue good, but when bad happens, when we pursue good, then our pursuit of good stops. What is the will of God? Always pursue what is good. Is this easy? No. (laughs) No, 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 no. It is not. It is not easy. It is a hard thing to do. But what's the will of God? To always pursue what is good. Isn't that amazing? You You have the patience in this. That's the will of God. Verse 14. Then you have the pursuit of what? Of what is good. Comparing that to Romans chapter 12, verses 19 through 21, 21 specifically, don't be overcome with evil. So that phrase that we said before, I think I'm done. I think I'm done. If that's the case, what have we been overcome by? All the evil that's happened to you. Everything's everyone's always said. What everybody believes. Don't be overcome with evil, but overcome that with good. But God, I tried and it doesn't work. Always pursue. But I tried and I failed. Always pursue. But I tried and it still doesn't. Always. Well, how how can I do this? I I don't know if I can do this, God. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I have the, the ability to always pursue this. Go back to Hebrews chapter 12. So when you're faint, when you're weak, when you need to be uphold because you're doing this and it's hard to do it, what does the Hebrews writer say? 
Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured. So when you always pursue, things aren't always going to go your way. But when you always pursue, you have to always endure. And it's hard, man. You'll take your shots. You'll take your licks. But you got to endure. Watch verse 3. This is why we look to Christ. We have to consider him who, what's our word again? Endured. We have to consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. So when you pursue what is good, when you don't render evil for evil, when you do everything in verse 14, does that mean people are always going to love you? No. Does that mean people are always going to? No. So what do I do? I consider him that endured such hostility lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. So if I don't pursue, then guess where I start? I go right back to verse 14. I'm weak. I need to be comforted, and I I become unruly. Isn't it interesting that a lot of us are there? I tried the will of God. I tried to help people, tried to be there, tried to preach, tried to do this, tried to do that, but therefore it didn't work. So now what what have I become? I become weary and I become discouraged. Why? Because I'm looking at what's happened and I'm not looking at Christ. You got to look at him. You see why the will of God is constant? The will of God doesn't change for you. The will of God doesn't change for me because of who I am and who you are. This is the will of God. It's the same for everybody. It's the same. We have the patience. We have the pursuit. Now verse 16. Now, this is this is pretty good too. Now we have the peace. We have the peace here. So now, watch this. Or no, we have the praise. We have the praise. Verse 16. So in this situation, verse 15, when I don't render evil for evil, when I always pursue, but even though I always pursue, things don't always go well, what am I supposed to do? What's supposed to be my attitude? Rejoice always. You see, always show up again. Always pursue. Always rejoice. Why am I always rejoicing? Because you're doing the work of Jesus. You know, a lot of times, guys, you can have that feeling of, I just don't want to do this anymore. I just don't want to do it anymore. You know, always rejoicing, not for the fact that pain is happening to you, but always rejoicing because you understand that you're doing something bigger than yourself. And someone else who's bigger than you saw everything. They saw God saw it. And sometimes when you do the will of God, sometimes people just won't understand. And that's okay. That's okay. Sometimes you'll have to endure some things. Sometimes you'll have to, sometimes you'll have to be on your own. Sometimes those phone calls and texts that used to come won't come anymore. 
It's okay. It's okay. Because you need to rejoice always that you're participating in the glory of God. And you're trying to you're trying to be like Christ. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. The praise. You know, I want to challenge you. When you're having a tough day, tough week, tough month, whatever the case might be, many times I don't think, and I believe that this is a, and for lack of a better word right now, I believe that this is a skill. When things are hard, in the moment that it's hard, I want you to try something. And this is something you may have never done in your life. Praise God through it. Give him glory. Give him thanks. Remind yourself how amazing he is. Sing a song to him. I want you to try that next time. Praise him when things are hard. Just in that moment, in real time. Just praise him. Rejoice always. Man, you have the patience. You have the pursuit. You have the praise. Then you have the prayer. So through this, this is, this, is, this is difficult, but pray without ceasing. Isn't it interesting that verse 14, 15, 16, and 17 all go together? So if I'm verse 14 right now, what should I be doing? Praying without ceasing. If I'm in verse 15 and I'm pursuing good for myself and for others and it's working or not working, guess what I should be doing? praying for them and myself. If I'm in verse 16, if I'm rejoicing always, whether things are good or bad, what should I be doing? Praying always. You see how Paul says this is the will of God? He's literally breaking it down. Pray without ceasing. Don't stop. You need to stay connected to God through all of this. And many times when we find ourselves specifically in verse 14, also in 15, when we find ourselves in that situation, then we feel like we want to give up but we need to stay connected to God and pray with him through that. You have the patience. You have the pursuit. You have the praise. You have the prayer, but then now you have the peace. Watch verse 18. In everything, question, contextually speaking, what's everything? When you're unruly, when you are faint-hearted, when you're weak, when you when you pursue, when you don't render evil for evil, when you rejoice, when you're praying in every single state in life that you find yourself in, has the will of God changed? No. In everything, what should I do? What is the will of God? Watch how he breaks it down. What's the will of God? Give thanks. I'm going to be honest. As I've looked at this, I haven't done this. It's been hard to do this at times. Why am I giving thanks right now? Why are you giving thanks when, when things are hard, when, when you have questions, when, when you don't see a way, when you don't see, you don't see a path, you don't see things aligning, you don't see things working. Nothing's, nothing seems to be working together. Why would I give thanks right now? What do I have to give thanks for? In everything, give thanks. 
why why should you do that, Jordan? Why should you do that? Put your name there. For this is the will of God. We say we want to follow the will of God, but do I really want to do it? In verse 14, 15, 16, 17, in every state that I find myself in, that you find yourself in, what is the will of God for me and you? Just to give thanks to my father. And that and that essentially is so simple. But myself included, sometimes we're not even doing that. This is the will of God. What was the original question we asked in our podcast, guys? I've lost purpose. I don't know. I've hit a brick wall. I'm in the I'm in the I'm in the hamster wheel. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing right now. It doesn't make sense. What is the will of God for me? You see how the will of God is not situational? This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Look how specific he got for you. So what's the will of God? Lord, I'm weak right now. Give thanks. Lord, I'm faint hearted right now. Give thanks. Lord, I'm not trying to render evil for evil. I'm trying to pursue what is good. Give thanks. Lord, I'm rejoicing always. Give thanks. I'm praying without ceasing when things are good and bad, but have you given thanks? We tend not to give God thanks until something seems to go right. And even then, sometimes we don't give him thanks. This is the will of God for you. It's so simple, man. It's so simple. And verses 14 through 18, guys, if we're being honest, verse 14 through 18 is life. There's going to be moments where all you're living is verse 14. There's going to be moments where all you're living is verse 15. There's going to be pockets of times where you have so much to rejoice in verse 16. There's going to be pockets in time where there's nothing you can do but to pray. But in every situation, just give thanks for this is God's will. I want to close it this way. I think we've thought that God's will, and I think I've thought God's will is something you can get, maybe something you can gain, maybe a place that he takes you, maybe a person that he gives you, maybe whatever you want to put there. I think that's what we thought the will of God is. But Paul explains in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, 14 through 18. Paul explains the will of God isn't necessarily something that you gain. The will of God is an attitude that you have. And what's that attitude? Giving thanks in everything. That's different. That's different, man. That's that's different. The will of God is not something you can gain. It's an attitude that you have. 
man, I, <laughs> I hope today, man, that's encouraged you as that's encouraged me because I needed it. Maybe you need it too. And maybe, maybe this has cleared up some stuff of maybe you've just been sitting here waiting. And even if you do get what you've always wanted, what if you get what you've always wanted, but you don't have the attitude? Then what's the point of getting whatever you wanted? There's so much for me to work on. So much for me to work on. So much for the Lord to work on me. Maybe, maybe the same for you. Reach out to us, man. Let's pray with you. Let's talk. We, I mean, I promise, guys, you're not going to be the first one. You're not going to be the first. There's so many that have reached out and had conversations, and there's some people I've met through the podcast and some of my best friends through the podcast. Just reach out to us. We want to be there for you. We want to interact with you. We want to be a part of your life, not just something that you listen to. So love you guys, man. Appreciate you guys. And hopefully, let's see. Monday. Yeah. Monday will be our next podcast. So looking forward to it. Um, Hopefully we can help you guys and encourage you uh, some more. Love you guys. Appreciate you guys. We'll see you.